thanks for downloading the audio podcast of this week's sermon. We pray you'll be blessed and encouraged with the words you hear. And let's pray as we turn to God's word. Father, thank you again, Lord, that you're one of our number here this morning, Lord. And Father, we pray, Lord, as we turn to your word, Lord, that you would enable me, Lord, by the power of your spirit, Lord, to speak the truth of your word, Lord, into my life and into the lives of the hearers here this morning. Lord, we ask that you would have your way for your honor and for your glory. Amen and amen. So this morning, I do want to turn for a few minutes to a very well-known piece of, uh, of scripture, and um, Psalm 23, and this has been on my heart for a, a few weeks, and uh, like many others, this indeed is a favourite psalm, and it has that simple um, title, a psalm of um, David, and ultimately written by David, uh, probably when he was a king. And um, he had been a shepherd and certainly wasn't ashamed of his former occupation. And, um, you know, thinking about the psalm this morning, it's a beautiful psalm, you know, and it's put more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. It has cured more doubts, more sorrows than the sands of the seashore. It has comforted the host of the poor. It has sung courage into the lives of the disappointed, and it has poured healing and consolation into the heart of the sick, the grief-stricken, and indeed the lonely. And indeed, it's a psalm that is used to comfort people who are going through severe um, trials, personal trials, suffering of illness, facing death. And it's often the last words uttered on this side of eternity. And I was reading this psalm a few weeks ago, and um, verse 3 certainly caught my attention. And again, it's a psalm that we probably could recite this morning and know of heart. But that's the beautiful thing about Scripture. You know, even though a passage can be familiar, you know, when you read it, um, there's always something fresh about the Word of God. And uh, verse 3, He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that's what I want to focus on this morning, for his name's sake. And this very much highlights the psalmist's recognition of God's majesty and his power as he acts on behalf of us, his uh, people. And in biblical times, a name was certainly of special significance. In today's modern world, it's very much the opposite of that, where you and I quite often are known as a number, but not so with the names of um, God. And um, the significance of the name, it has that person expressive characteristic of the person. And you might say to me this morning, what is in a name? Names are significant. And his name, his name reflects 
um, the depth of his divine being and um, his name is a revelation of himself in relation to man and indeed our universe and importantly the names of God they're not human inventions they are of a divine origin so critical and they're recorded in the Bible for God's glory and for our uh, benefit and God is none other than the creator the controller and the sustainer of his world and us his um, people names have meanings and they reveal the nature and the character of God who he is and what he wants to do in our lives and there are seven names uh, or seven times that the name Jehovah is linked to another word and each time it reveals to us who our God um, is. If you have your Bibles open, I would just like to read um, these words from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for ever. And David is saying that the Lord is shepherd to me. He is the God who cares. He is the God who watches over me. And he made it personal. And our experience of God can never be vital until it is personal. And in scripture the word um, Lord is the Hebrew word for Jehovah. It's the personal name of God that distinguished him from all the other false gods. And we can think when the children of Israel found themselves in Egypt, in that land there was so many false gods that were worshipped. There was 360 primary gods, one for each day of the Egyptian calendar. And a false god by simplest definition is anything that we esteem loved or feared or served more than the God of scripture and if we set up something that is of rival interest in our hearts and minds that absorbs love and service which belongs only to the true God our creator then it is that thing that becomes a God to us and even our, in our western world today there are many gods who people um, serve whatever your heart clings to that is what becomes your God. But God would say to us this morning from Isaiah 44 and verse 6 that I am the first, I am the last. Besides me there is no other God. And Isaiah 45, 21 and 22, there is no other gods besides me, a righteous God and a saviour. There is none beside unto me. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am your God and there is no other. So David took that sacred name of Jehovah and he linked it with the word shepherd for the sake of his name 
Jehovah Rohai, the Lord is my shepherd, a shepherd who feeds his flock. And this is very much the image of God caring for us like a loving shepherd who cares for a sheep. And it's one of those beautiful pictures of God in scripture. And David here is describing God as our shepherd. The king David of Israel, the author of the psalm, had himself been a shepherd as a young man caring for his father's flocks. And he drew from his personal experience how vitally important it is to safely and care for the well-being of the sheep. To have a good shepherd who would care for them and even meant putting his life at risk and enduring hardship. We know from scripture that he had killed a lion attacking the flock. He had protected it from a bear. I think if you and I, we would have been in the other direction. But um, a good shepherd would have endured the cold, the heat, the sleepness, the weariness and the danger to care for his sheep. And drawn on his own personal experience as a shepherd, David wrote this psalm to teach us the important truths about God. And again I say we must experience God personally if we're to know him fully as our shepherd. And this psalm beautifully portrays how God cares for us, how God provides for us in all of our lives. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all that the Bible teaches about Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd. He's one who cares for us. He said here this morning, Realize again that God is the God who cares for you on a personal level. We are told to seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. You know your heavenly father knoweth what you have need of. Not tremendous this morning. She came in through that door to know that our God is the one who knows the very intent of our hearts. And he is the one who leads us in the paths of righteousness. He has told us that I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But what we know of sheep, they are predictable to lose their way. They can be in pasture where there's plenty of grass, adequate water, but still they can wander off aimlessly. And you know, once lost, they can't find their way back. And you know, our shepherd is the one who cares for us. The shepherd has to go and look for the sheep. And you know, spiritually, we too can be like sheep. It was Isaiah who wrote, all we like sheep have gone astray. And there is this profound tendency to desert what is good for us. The grass may be greener on the other side of the fence. And sadly, sadly, it is often all too easy to lose our way. And how we need the shepherd's care to bring us back into the fold. There's a gentleman, Robert Robinson. These are tremendous words from the 1700s, 1758. He wrote the words of this hymn, O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Be thankful this morning that we have a shepherd who cares for us. For the sake of his name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, I shall not want from Psalm 23. The Lord is the one who sustains us. 
It's remarkable that the Lord would call himself our shepherd. And Israel, as in other ancient um, societies, a shepherd's work was considered the lowest occupation. And if a family needed a shepherd, it was usually the youngest son, as we see in the story of David, who got this unpleasant assignment. And Jehovah has chosen to be our shepherd. The great God of the universe has stopped to take care of you and I this morning to feed us his flock, to guide us, to govern us, to defend us, to handle, to heal, to take care of his flock. And David could say this personally, my shepherd. It wasn't that the Lord was a theory to him. This was real. This was personal. Shepherd for David himself. And if you notice, there is no ifs, no buts, no hope so's. Um, but he says with that absolute affirmity and assurance, the Lord is my shepherd. He is shepherd to me this morning. He is shepherd to you. He is the one who cares for you. He is the one who watches over uh, me. He is the one who preserves my life. And overwhelmingly, the idea behind God's role as the shepherd is this loving care and concern that he has for us, his uh, flock. David felt that he needed a shepherd and the heart of the psalm doesn't connect with being self-sufficient where it's all about me and what I can do. But for those who acutely sense their need of him, what is your need of him this morning in your life? Find great comfort in a God who is personal, who is a God who is not uninterested or distracted from your life, that he is the God who is willing to hear the cry of your heart. I shall not want Jehovah Jireh, all my needs are supplied by the Lord my shepherd. But it also means that I desire nothing that what the Lord would give to me. It notes his all-sufficiency of what he can provide for me. And I can only say the Lord is my shepherd when I can say I shall not want. The two go together. He is my shepherd, but he is also the one who provides for us for the sake of his name, Jehovah Shalom. He is the Lord our uh, peace. He is the one who leads us beside those still waters. He makes us to lie down in the green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He maketh me, he leadeth me. And this is a testimony of God's satisfaction. The satisfaction that David knew in his God Sheep without a shepherd, you're insecure. But when we study sheep, we see them as being defenseless, directionless, and no Christian deliberately determines to get away from God. But how we like uh, sheep are, the distance between the shepherd and the sheep determines that danger. The greater the distance, the greater uh, the danger. And you know, what is the nature again of the shepherd? We notice the characteristics from scripture of um, the shepherd and how it compares with the characteristics of Christ. He is compassionate. 
He has gentle in his care for us. And how much courage the shepherd displays in going after us. And we see in this relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. And also we see in this relationship that Christ the shepherd and the believer and the sheep. How he is compassionate. How he cares. And how much he goes after us. The knowledge of the shepherd's care for us gives us this deep sense of security and satisfaction. And it's there that he makes us to lie down in those green uh, pastures. And sheep graze from early in the morning until about mid-morning. They lie down for those um, hours um, in the uh, coming up to midday. And it's almost impossible to get sheep to lie down when they're hungry. They will mill about. They will nibble at grass until they've eaten sufficiently. Probably like the most of you once you eat your dinner this afternoon. And uh, only when they are full will they lie down in that place of quiet and that peace, uh, place of rest. And sheep lying down in green pastures is a picture of contentment and satisfaction. It is God who leads you and I beside the still waters. And the sheep won't drink from running water for a good reason. They are poor swimmers. If they, um, their wool gets become soaked, um, they can't swim and uh, will be pulled down beneath the water. And instinctively sheep know this. Um, so they don't go near swiftly running water. But sheep resting beside still waters is that picture of peace and rest. The still waters is waters of rest. And it reminds us, folks, again this morning, in the busyness of our lives, of all that goes on in our lives, that there is a place where God would say to us, to come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And sheep need that time of sincere quietness to chew their cud And I tell you, folks, again this morning, there is a place in the midst of all of our lives, you know, demanding lifestyles with all the trials, when we too need to find that place with God to come and be still and know that he is our God. And this is a testimony of satisfaction. It comes a result of provision and peace from that shepherd um, sheep relationship with our God, For the sake of his name, Jehovah Raphael. He is the Lord who heals. Jehovah Raphael. He is the one from Psalm 23 who restores my soul. Yes, the Lord as shepherd leads. Where the shepherd leads and why? He restores my soul. And paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul. The tender care of the shepherd that we've been reading about, described in the previous verses, had its intended effect. David felt that his soul was now restored. He had um, mentioned the green pastures, the still waters that the shepherd had brought him to. And restores has this idea of rescue, of a lost one. And again, it may be that strange sheep being brought back again. And remind us all this morning, as we sit here in church this morning, of God's uh, restoration in our lives, that we are saved by his grace, that we are restored by his grace, and ultimately that we are kept as we journey by his um, grace. 
You'll be familiar with the story that Jesus told about um, the lost sheep, that the man had a hundred sheep, and one of them got lost. He left the ninety and nine to go after that one that was straying. And if he should find it, he is surely, I say to you, that he will rejoice more over that sheep than over the ninety and nine that didn't go astray. Say to you this morning, are you that one sheep in here this morning? that has gone astray, that he wants to restore and bring back to himself. And Jesus further drove this point home. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus, the good shepherd, left heaven, coming, looking for the lost sheep. No often, no matter how often we would stray or wander away, he is the one who is searching for us. He is wanting your attention this morning. He is searching for you. If you'll only let him, he will seek and save. He says, my sheep hear my voice. He says, I know them. They follow me. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. He is the God of restoration. We often sing these words in church and how true they are over every heart over every mind, over every addiction, over the strongholds of life, over the fears and the anxieties, for there is power in the name of uh, Jesus. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. And when he has restored us, he thankfully he is not finished. He restores us that he would lead us and guide us in the right way of life once again. Interestingly, sheep have poor eyesight. They can't see more than about 15 yards ahead of them, so they need to be led. And a wayward sheep who is um, back where it should be from trouble again, if it doesn't stay close to the shepherd, it will get in trouble again. And it's therefore important that the sheep stay close to um, the shepherd. And you know, God has connected people, his name and his glory with the walk and conduct of his um, people. If we walk in paths of righteousness... We are up to uphold the reputation of the good um, shepherd. And consider how the God, the good shepherd, ministers continually into our lives. Why? For the honour of his name. For the sake of his name. And our response ought to be with the words of 1 John 4 and 19. That we love him because he first loved us. For the sake of his name, the Lord who is our righteousness. He leads us in paths of righteousness. And in those paths of righteousness, the leadership of the shepherd didn't only comfort and restore David, but it also guides his sheep into righteousness. And God's guidance uh, of David had a moral aspect. In our world today, don't need me to stand here and tell you that the moral compass has little or no direction in God's order, where very much everything is acceptable and right. It is fundamental that we live our lives for the sake of his name and everything that we do. Our lives are that living testament to our God. And I encourage you all this morning, and especially you young people, um, never to be tempted 
to walk from the path of righteousness that God has placed at you on, that your name has worth with God. He has chosen you to walk tall as a believer in this world, amongst your friends, amongst your colleagues, um, wherever we may be, walk tall as a believer. And in Daniel 11 and 32, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Are we dependent on the shepherd of the psalm in every area and every aspect of our lives? Our God is a personal God. And we are carefully reminded again from the Psalms 103 and verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. That we are the people and the sheep of his pasture. We have identity. We have belonging with our God. And God's reputation is at stake by how we live our lives. We are his hands. We are his feet in the world. We are his ambassadors and we are the ones who are representing God to a watching world. He is our righteousness. Why? For the sake of his name. The shepherd guides that sheep with that overarching view to the credit and glory of his name. To display the glory of his grace and not on account or any merit in me. And folks, again, we sing these words and they are so true. And this ought to be our motive to display the glory of his grace in our lives and not on account of any merit in any one of us. With every breath, I long to follow Jesus for he has said that he will bring me home. Day by day I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold. Where is our hope this morning? It's in none other than uh, Jesus and all the glory evermore to him. When the race of life is complete, still our lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. To this I hold my hope. My hope, my certainty is Jesus and all the glory evermore to him. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Oh, folks, I tell you, for the sake of his name uh, this morning, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is ever uh, present. Think of that this morning. We have a God who is ever present in our lives. I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. We have the gift, and it is a gift, of the shepherd's presence. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort at me. And this within the psalm is the first dark note. And uh, previously David wrote about green pastures. There was still waters. There were paths of righteousness. Yet when following the Lord um, as the shepherd, one still um, can experience those valleys of the shadow of death. And David used this powerful phrase to speak of some dark, um, fearful experience. And uh, the commentators 
give um, this description of a valley in Israel today. It's called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. It's located between Bethlehem and the Dead Sea. And in Bible times, it was a treacherous valley. It was a dark valley with shadows and dangers. And again, it was that ideal territory to be attacked by a bear or a lion or robbers who waited in the shadows uh, or indeed the caves to spring upon the flocks uh, and the shepherd. But it was through this valley which the shepherd had to lead his sheep in wintertime. They were in lowlands and then in springtime they were moved uh, to different uh, pasture. And it was through this valley, the shadow of death, because of, there was this possibility of danger um, that was present when you entered it. And it was in this valley perhaps that David was using um, this example And this valley could also be named the valley of worry and fear. The uncertainty of what you would encounter as you started in to lead his flock through um, this uh, valley. And that fear, that worry within the hearts and minds of those who um, entered it. But I want you to notice here with me this morning that David recognized that under the shepherd's leading that he was to walk through um, the valley, through that valley of the shadow of death. This wasn't his destination. It was a journey through um, this uh, valley. And he knew here that he wasn't alone. He says, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort uh, me. And I say to you this morning, what is your valley experience? You know, through our Christian journey, there are many valleys to encounter. But the key objective is the enemy, is to try and produce that worry, that fear, that uncertainty in our lives. But this morning, we have a God who cares for us. We have a God who knows all about us. And the promises of God's word, they are the comfort that we need. You know, does your valley this morning cause you to be worried? anxious, afraid or troubled. God is the God who can give you peace. He says my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as I give unto the world. Do not let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. What about your future? God is the God who has promised to guide us. He told us to trust in him with all of our hearts, to lean not on our own understanding. You know, that's one thing to say that, but it's another thing in reality to grasp that. Lean not on our own understanding where we don't try to fix it ourselves, but to lean upon our um, God. And he is the one, if we acknowledge him in all our ways, he is the one who can make those paths um, straight. Where you maybe perhaps think this morning, there isn't a path There is no way, I tell you, your way is in God, your guide. Does your valley cause us to be afraid or lonely? We are told to be strong, be courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with us. He will never leave us. What a promise. Never leave us or um, forsake us. And does your valley cause you to be anxious this morning? And God is the one who is close to comfort you this morning, to comfort the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in um, spirit. He is with you this morning. If God is with us, who can be against us? He is the God who protects us. 
The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. He is our protection. And what of the God who can ease your fears? There's a beautiful promise from Proverbs. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do you want a good night's rest? Here it is, Proverbs 3 and 24. How blessed we are this morning when we can know that we are under the care of our shepherd. No matter, and I emphasize that this morning, no matter what our present environment should be, to know that he is with me and I will fear no evil. Last one this morning, for the sake of his name, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. We are coming to break bread in a few minutes, but we know from Psalm 23 that thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And here we see the blessing to we receive in the place of um, danger. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And David here envisaged the provision and the goodness given by the Lord as the host inviting David to this rich table prepared for him. And again, it's a beautiful picture. The table suggests provision. Prepare suggests that there was foresight and care. And before me suggests this personal connection with our God. And yes, it was in the presence of my enemies. The goodness, the care that is suggested here by this prepared table is set in the midst of the presence of my enemies. The host care and concern didn't eliminate the presence of the enemies, but it enables the experience of God's goodness and bounty even in their midst. And surely that is a picture or the condition of God's people. Yes, this is enemy land in that sense, but folks, I assure you this morning, there is always a spread table with our um, God. And folks in our land here, we all know too well the, the significance and the symbolism of, fly, of flags. The Lord, uh, his name here was Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner, and the allegiance and the loyalty and the obedience uh, owed to one's country or government by the flag that is flowing. And you know, that brought to mind an old Sunday school chorus that there is uh, a flag flying high from the castle of my heart. Why? Because the king is in residence there. So let it fly in the sky. Let the whole world know that the king is in residence there. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, this morning, there is a flag to fly high from the castle of our hearts. An enemy country. Why? For the sake of his name, fly that flag high from the castle of your heart. And we read these beautiful words in Romans 8, 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will there be tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness or pearl or sword? As it is written, 
For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am persuaded that there is neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come um, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As I finish this morning, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over And despite the dangers, despite the presence of those enemies, David enjoyed the richness of the host's goodness. He was refreshed with his head anointed with oil and his cup was overfilled. And in the words of Jeremiah 31 and 33, we read these words, I will be their God. And folks, is that not all? that you and I require this morning, pour that cup into your life, into your circumstances of where you are this morning, to know that God has said to you, I will be there, God. Surely this is more than our heart could ever wish when this is filled, that he is our God. Is this not all sufficiency to satisfy us that he will be our God? Surely this is the masterpiece of all the promises. You know, it's said, it's enjoyment makes a heaven below and indeed it will make heaven above. To let our souls be consumed with his love, to live up to your privileges as a believer and rejoice with joy unspeakable. Why? For the sake of his name. And blessings for the future. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. The host's care brought the goodness and the mercy of God to David and he lived, yes, in that faithful expectation of it continuing throughout all the days of his life. Mercy is that steadfast love together with goodness. It suggests that steady kindness and support that you and I count on throughout the journey of our lives. And yes, ultimately, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the psalm ends with that calmest assurance that he would enjoy the presence of his Lord forever, both in his days on earth and uh, beyond. I finished this morning again with a beautiful quote from C.H. Spurgeon, that while I am here, I will be a child at home with my God. The whole world shall be his house to me. And when I ascend into that upper chamber, I shall not change my company, nor even change the house, I shall only go to dwell in the upper story of the house of the Lord forever. Why? For the sake of his name. The worship team are coming this morning before Drew comes to lead us again um, around God's table this morning. And I encourage you this morning and in these moments to worship the Lord 
with all of our hearts. He is an awesome God and he is the name above all other names and worthy of our praise for the sake of his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like any more information, have a look at our website at www.ballymoneyelam.com.